Hi, this is voice actor Christopher Waycamp. I'm the voice of your sensei, Shota Aizawa from My Hero Academia, and you're listening to the Tsunami Faithful Podcast. Welcome to Nambi Faithful Podcast listeners. I am your host, CJ, alongside Paul Pasquillo, and we're here with a very special guest today. Hi, guys. My name is Christopher Waycamp. I'm a voice actor, and it's really good to be here. Uh, one, uh, first off, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us, especially uh, with all the technical difficulties that we've been getting on everyone's end, it seems like. <laughs> Thank you for your patience. Uh, yeah, it seems like as soon as you sort of take care of, of one of these things, then another one pops up. So thank you guys for having me back. I really appreciate it. And uh, Paul and I will also like to say you guys dubbing as much as you are with My Hero Academia, considering all that's going on in the world, we are immensely grateful and amazed of how much you guys have been able to actually do during uh, the pandemic and recording at home. Oh, well, that's really so kind of you to say. And honestly... Uh, the, the vast majority of that credit has to go to uh, the amazing audio engineers and, and technical minds that have made it possible for us actors and directors to keep doing this thing. Um, it's actually been quite a feat to witness. Uh, some of these guys have been working like around the clock to uh, to make this possible. So uh, we're so glad that the fans are enjoying it. And of course, we're just happy to be in our booths at home uh, being able to work on it uh, because we love this show. Yeah, and it's definitely a tsunami faithful uh, favorite considering it leads uh, the block and everything. But I think the most interesting part about at least uh, who you got to voice with Shoto Aizawa is the fact that originally you were not the voice of him. And I'm curious on what led up to when all of a sudden you were able to audition for the part, knowing that it then became available and able to kind of jump in to really create this character in your own kind of voice kind of uh considering you know past performances and whatnot i really throughout the seasons it feels like aizawa is like your baby and it's just amazing watching him grow and listening to how much your voice developed into quite an iconic character oh well thank you so much yeah that's actually that's a great question and um i'm always happy to to talk about it because i was uh, i was a fan of my hero academia in the first season um, I was out of town. I was away. I was not able to audition for the show. Um, and nobody quite knew what My Hero Academia was, you know, back in the heady days of, uh, what was it, 2015 or 2016. Uh, nobody knew what a phenomenon this show was going to be. It was just sort of uh, another, another show. Um, and it seemed like it was popular. The manga was doing well in Japan. But, you know, that's never... A, that's never a guaranteed indication that a show is going to to translate well and do well in the West. And certainly nobody knew it was going to be this, <laughs> this sort of thing. So, so anyway, I, once I started watching it though, I just got hooked and, you know, like so many people who watched it for the first time, I'm sure it's just the timing was so perfect as we're having this superhero moment here in the West and just falling in love with uh, all these wonderful superhero movies and superhero characters on the big screen. Suddenly we have, like the be-all, end-all superhero anime. Uh, and it just the timing was just perfect. I mean, it just hit just right. And, uh, and then, of, of course, on top of the timing, it's, it's just a, it's a great show. Like, it's well-written. The characters are colorful and interesting. The world is incredibly diverse. And, and you really believe in these characters. You, wanna, you want the best for them. So I just got hooked in season one. And, um, and anyway, I got contacted one day and 
by my agent who basically said, you know, we need you to uh, go in an audition and we're not, we don't know a lot of details, but we know that you're going in with, with Colleen, uh, Colleen Klinkenbeard, who of course the voice of Momo and the director of the show Funimation. And so I thought maybe I had a chance at, uh, you know, maybe a side character or a, a new character coming up. And I was very excited about getting a chance to, to audition for her. And then when I showed up, um, I learned that the existing voice actor, a gentleman named Alex Organ, who um, incredibly talented and amazing voice actor in his own right, um, had to make a very difficult decision and, and made the decision to step away from anime uh, to pursue um, one of his lifelong dreams, which was being a, a theater director in Dallas at one of the, one of the best theaters in town. Um, and and the, just the nature of the simuldub schedule and the way that it works is you really have to be available at the drop of a, a hat, you know, at the, at the drop of a scarf, so to speak. <laughs> um, and he just couldn't, he couldn't commit to that. So there was a, an audition process that was held. And of course, I didn't, I didn't really know anything about this. I just sort of showed up cold and um, uh, walked into the booth and um, Khalid said, okay, well, um, you're going to be reading for uh, the character of Aizawa. And I, I didn't quite, I didn't quite believe what I was hearing because I knew that he already had a voice actor. And then she explained the background and explained sort of the reasons why. And in that moment, I just couldn't believe it because after having watched season one, he was my favorite character from season <laughs> one. I'm a huge uh, comic book fan, big comic book nerd, um, always have been. And uh, and Batman was always my favorite character. I always liked Batman uh, movies and comics and especially the Batman animated series from the 90s. God, I could go on and on about that. Let's do a show about that sometime. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I was just overwhelmed with excitement when she told me that because I I really equate Aizawa as kind of the Batman. You know, he's the grim dark. He's, he seems to be the smartest guy in the room, uh, whether he is or isn't, he, you know, he seems to be. Uh, and, you know, tough as nails, uh, but with, you know, great thirst for justice, you know, and, and righteousness and protecting the innocent. Um, and so to me, he, he is that Batman character. I just fell in love with him right away uh, because of that. And so, so anyway, getting a chance to audition for him was spectacular. I wasn't really prepared for it. I didn't think I did a great job, uh, but I was so happy to have read and, and found out, uh, I want to say two or three days later, um, that I had that I had booked the part so and was just over the moon I uh, was so excited to, to be able to join the show in that role and that was uh, for the beginning of season two so mm -hmm. from season two on if you've been watching my hero academia I am the voice of uh, of Eraserhead and uh, I hope that I can do him some justice at times the, honestly the best when I go to panels the very best compliment that I get from fans is that it's just their shock they just <laughs> say how that that wasn't you in season one um, that's, that's the best feeling because it means that we, we honored his performance and uh, his, his performance in season one was amazing. Alex's performance. Right. So we wanted to honor that. And then we kind of had that exciting moment at the end of season one, uh, exciting for everybody else, uh, but very, you know, dangerous for Aizawa where he was terribly injured. And so him coming back at the top of season two, his face is wrapped up in bandages. He's terribly injured. It really was a, a in some ways, a perfect opportunity for us to honor Alex's performance while also making some adjustments to the way that he would be performed going forward. Um, and I, what I wanted to do was make sure that that my performance was 
was really getting close to Junichi Suave's, uh, the, the Japanese voice actor's performance. I wanted to bring some of that gravel and some of that grit. And it made sense to have it because he, you know, he, he had just been through the ringer. Um, so, so it really did, there was a, a good reason to bring that in. And so um, I, I love Aizawa. He's still my favorite character. I'm incredibly biased, but he's still, <laughs> he's still my favorite character in the show. That's fair. I, I will agree. The fight in the USJ incident with, with the racer head was amazing. Oh my God. Ah. The animation choreograph of that was absolutely nutty. It's funny because I talk to people still. I talk to people when I go, you know, and do shows at anime conventions, and they'll come up and they'll talk to me, and maybe they know me from another property or something, and they'll say, "Yeah, I haven't really, I haven't really watched My Hero yet, but I'm, I'm going to." All my friends keep telling me I need to watch it, so I'm, I'm going to. And I always just say, "Well, um, you'll start with the first episode, and then before you know it, you'll be through all of season one," <laughs> because. It really it propels you forward in such a great way with that first season. It just every episode feels essential, um, and it, if you think about it, it does so much with such a large cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's such a large cast of characters, but it still manages to make them all very interesting. And uh, I always get excited when I see you know characters like Denki or um, uh, Kaminari when he got his uh, his recent arc here in the last season. Uh, it's so exciting to see those characters get the spotlight for a little while, you know, for an episode or two, because you really do just sometimes sit there and just root for them. Like, when are we going to get Sarah's episode? You know, yeah. um, it's it's cool. Uh, I, th- I One of the biggest things that I've at least noticed when watching and rewatching My Hero Academia is I think obviously with uh, the big theme of mentorship, you know, Deku is inspired by All Might to become the greatest hero of all time. And what I found interesting when rewatching is that I honestly feel like Aizawa should be on the same platform as All Might. And I know Aizawa doesn't want that, but right. considering how, A, he's uh, Izuku, the main character's homeroom teacher, you know, he's kind of being the first one to mold Izuku to be this great hero, especially with the kind of uh, foresight that Eraserhead has throughout the se- uh, series. And it's so, it's very telling how very little people might draw to that conclusion unless they like really search for it. And I'm curious on if you kind of feel that same way of like that, the unsung hero, the unsung teacher that like really molds us to be the kind of person that we are for the better, of course. And I, it, it just, it really spoke to me when I was watching it again. Yeah. You, you bring up a good point of sort of, um, there are these coaches in our lives, right. And, um, the, you know, the, the people that we have that are, that maybe mean the most to us, maybe aren't always the most obvious ones. Um, for, you know, I'll tell you a quick anecdote. I had a teacher. Um, I was, I was a big problem child I, uh, <laughs> to quote, to quote a line um, when I was a kid. And I was, it was because I was just a class clown and I, I wanted all the attention. And if I didn't get as, enough attention uh, as I wanted, I would just figure out ways to cause problems and cause trouble in the classroom. Um, and most of my teachers, you know, and quite reasonably, this vexed them to no end. Um, and and then there was this one teacher that I had, um, and she basically figured out early on, maybe she'd heard about me, I don't know, from some of the other teachers, uh, but figured out early on that if she just gave me work to do that involved performance, it didn't matter what it was, that I wouldn't cause any problems. Um, and so, for example, we had a, a reading assignment that we had to do. We, had, we all had to read a book called Hank the Cowdog. I grew up in Texas, can you tell? Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, great book, by the way. But um, 
But, you know, a lot of the kids in class weren't super excited about it. But she, she came to me and she said, you know, without me even asking, she said, uh, Chris, I want you to read this book at your home and I want you to record it and I want you to bring it in and we'll listen to you read the chapter um, at the top of the class and then we're going to talk about it. And I was over the moon excited. I mean, I, I suddenly I didn't want to stop anything in this class because I was going to get a chance to be the star you know, in this uh, English class. Uh, and so there are sort of these, I, I look at her as almost a, an Aizawa figure because I only had her for, you know, just one short period of, uh, you know, one semester or one year uh, of schooling. And this would have been in middle school. Um, and I never really saw her again, but she had such a profound impact on the trajectory of my life. You know, she really was my gateway to audiobooks and, um, and narration. Uh, and I probably wouldn't have come to it as fast as I did if she hadn't sort of forced it on me. Um, and I, I, she wasn't particularly nice. We didn't have a, you know, a positive relationship necessarily, but she just figured out how to make it so that I would stop bothering her. <laughs> uh, and, and in some ways I think great teachers can do that. You know, they can see through, um, students and they, and they, they can just see what they need and give it to them. Um, and Aizawa definitely has those qualities. You know, he, I think he made decisions early on that um, he's not going to, he's just not going to participate in the publicity game of being a hero. And he, he's concerned about other things, um, you know, right or wrong. He just, he made that decision for himself. And um, there are people who I talk to, you know, all the time who tell me that Aizawa should be the number one hero. He has a quirk that can cancel any quirk. And then he's, an unmatched one-on-one -on -one solo combatant. Um, so there's there's an argument to be made there, but but honestly, he would never want that. Uh, that that's not that's not who he is. That's not what he's about. And he operates from the shadows. Yeah, and very very well, might I add, with how stealthy he can be, especially with his fighting. I think the the line that really got me to really enjoy like the whole character that is Aizawa is that line that you would hear actually in the trailer for season three part two of the blu-ray dvds where he's talking to miss joke about bakugo and deku how these two students how they don't even like each other but yet they just galvanize the entire class and they become something really special and like hearing him yes. really talk about how special that those two kids are when he doesn't really show that to anyone i thought mm -hmm. it was like one of the more touching things you could see in a character like aizawa and I'm, I'm curious how you feel about like when you finally get that acknowledgement from someone who might be a little bit rough on the outside yeah well so yeah i mean i grew up with with uh, father figures you know and uh, uncles and my dad and you know others in my family that that are cut from that cloth and you know they um, they might have deep feelings but they don't say a lot of words and, uh, and, and perhaps there's a lot under the surface, but they aren't sharing a whole lot about it. And there's, you know, perhaps an interior life there that just isn't uh, made available, you know, for, for various reasons. Um, so I'm very familiar with that sort of, that sort of, um, I, I suppose it's a type of masculinity. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it could be a, a sort of femininity too, but maybe I'm most associated with a type of masculinity, right. um, a guardedness. And, um, you know, but the trouble that I have with it sometimes, and especially early on when I was when I was getting my hands around Aizawa and really getting comfortable with him, there were moments when Colleen would say, that was great, but you, you need to dial that back. 
you know, as much as as much as he is feeling exactly what you did there, um, that's that's not how Aizawa plays things. You know, he he plays he's going to play that much closer to the best than how you played that. And so there were several moments early on when I, I really had to I had to walk that line with him, and I still do. You know, there there are still times when I'll catch myself wanting to be more exuberant as Aizawa and. Um, and just really have to remember that, that the place where he lives and the, the place that he resides in uh, as a person is that uh, the still waters run deep and he, he doesn't use a lot of words. And um, so we, we evoke things with him in small ways and we let those small ways be very, very heavy because they don't happen very often. Um, and when they do happen, you know, we really work on them and we really we do a lot of takes and we try to get it right. And hopefully we do sometimes. Jeez, it almost sounds like therapy in the session with him. It's it's like it's it's <laughs> acting is the best there. It is, but no, I mean, I do. It's while I really enjoy listening to Aizawa when he like speaks his mind, whether he's alone or with you know All Might or any colleague. I have to say, I love the relationship he has with Miss Joke. I hope you at least enjoyed those scenes I too. Do. I do because, uh, well, I love I love the character, but I also love what Amber does with Miss Joke. Uh, Amber Lee Connors is the voice of Miss Joke, and. Um, you know, we we're friends, obviously, and um, and uh, sort of outside of you know these characters. And I'm not as always. She's not this joke, and yet we get to we get to go in and, and be these characters with each other. And it uh, it never fails to I uh, just bowl me over because mm-hmm. she she just she sells it so well. And uh, the spit takes, especially every time she does one of those spit takes, I just lose it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, considering that uh, yeah. you are a teacher of class one A, do you have a favorite student? Not as Aizawa, but as your as yourself, of course. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, just from my own perspective, like I came to this show first as a fan, um, and so I, from the very beginning, I was rooting for this scrawny kid who, you know, d- didn't look like he had a single chance to compete with anybody. Um, I, I, I'd have to say my favorite is Deku. I mean, he's. <laughs> He's my he's the best shonen hero um, in my in my book for the last you know twenty years. Wow, um, that's high praise. Well, I like that. I, I think he's a I think he's a shonen hero for a modern age. You know he, uh, and I know he he takes a lot of flack for this as well. But he's not afraid to cry. He's not <laughs> afraid to be um, vulnerable. And yes, the power of friendship is going to you know it's the it's the typical shonen tropes. Those are all still there. And yet somehow Deku, I think, is more real than many others who've come before. Hmm. Um, I, I think that's why he resonates. I think that's why, you know, he's the heart of the show. He's the core of it. And I think Deku is all of us in a way because he um, he starts with so little. And and every step of the way, I mean, he's breaking himself to 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 reach to reach new heights of power and ability and confidence. And we're right there with him. Um so I, I don't, I have to, I know that's sort of a boring answer, but it's got to be Deku. He's just, uh, he's, he's great. Every time he's on screen, I can't take my eyes off the screen. I'm sure somewhere Justin is feeling very happy to, to hear that. <laughs> now, wait a minute. I didn't say Justin. <laughs> no, Justin's uh, wonderful. Uh, Justin's great. Every time we're together, um, I, I thoroughly enjoy Justin. He's, <laughs> he's such a good dude. Uh, kind of moving away from my hero, because obviously we could talk about that forever. But I will say, considering you mentioned how tropes, you seem to have a, a trope with the, a lot of characters you voiced on Toonami when you look at like Fire Force with Hinoa 
another stern, oh, yeah. cold, calculated kind of character. Although he might be actually a lot meaner than Aizawa. Yeah, uh, well, it's yeah, it's interesting because um, yeah, it's like you 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 can sort of be typecast in a way, uh, which I'll, I'll never feel bad about. That's you know that just means that um, I get to be more cool characters and cool stuff. Um, so I'm happy about that. But um, but at the same time, finding the the details and the nuance is a little a little trickier. Um, because he's not Aizawa. And so I do try to um, I, I, do, I do try to identify the things about the characters that make them distinct. And you know, Lieutenant Hinoa, um, he's kind of the uh, he's the father figure, I suppose. And it, uh, you know, I don't know if that makes Obi sort of the mother figure. <laughs> I, I think it that. would, honestly, watching the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, he's he's dad, and uh, he. Uh, there are things about him that are so rigid um, that 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 are not rigid in the same way with Aizawa. And so I try to really focus on those things. For example, um, you know, I feel like uh, Hinoa is a disciplinarian about everything. About um, you know, if we're talking about D and D tropes, like Hinoa is the classic sort of paladin, mm-hmm. um, although he lacks charisma. So he's sort of a charismaless paladin. Um, he brings up all the people around him, but he does so by demanding, you know, discipline. So um, he's constantly um, stopping people from using their fire quirks in ways that are inappropriate. He's reminding people to be responsible about things around the firehouse. Um, he's he's reminding people all the time. In, in some ways, just just by providing sort of exposition and information dumps, what it is they're actually supposed to be doing, you know, at any <laughs> given time. Because sometimes they can just go off the rails, these young kids uh, in the show. And so he, he, he is that father figure, but you would never see Hinoa, you know, uh, with long bedraggled hair inside of a sleeping bag, sleeping on duty when he was supposed to be working. You know, he's, he is, and, and there's reasons for that. He has terrible trauma in his past. Mm-hmm. And so he's been guided to this place um, by an overwhelming need to make things right. Um, because he feels like he failed his friend. Uh, and so, and I think in seeking discipline for himself, he understands that um, that it's only discipline that's going to save the rest of this crew of this ragtag bunch. So um, so and, and and finding that place with him didn't didn't just happen either because mm-hmm. uh, Fire Force kind of just popped up out of nowhere. Um, I didn't know anything about you know Fire Force. I didn't know that Funimation was going to be doing it. I didn't uh, I, I didn't know anything until I got the audition. And uh, so I started trying to dig into it a little bit and learn more about it. And I realized there's a whole manga series out there. I just had no idea that it was there at all. Um, I'm, I'm not, I don't typically read the manga, but in this case I did uh, go through at least the first couple books and just try to get my head around the universe. Um, because it is at first, it's like, oh, this is about firefighters. Well, no, sort of, kind of, <laughs> not exactly. Um, and so... Uh, but yeah, so so finding, I guess, just finding those nuances, you know, is is what it's all about. Because um, I, I guess I, I'm lucky in the sense that I get cast in these these tough guy roles, and then finding what makes them each unique is is part of the fun. And you gotta love his power. Oh, that's oh, so cool. Absolutely. <laughs> I think he's got the coolest. Uh, you know, it may not be the most powerful power, so to speak, but I think it's the coolest power. Oh, it's, it's so cool. I love it. 
And uh, knowing that you do need to get going kind of soon, I did want to at least ask one thing about a show that isn't on Toonami, but a ton, a ton of Toonami fans would love to have it on. It's a show that I'm reviewing, and I've absolutely enjoyed. I've been actually sharing it with family members because they're big Star Trek fans. It reminds me of a lot of Star Trek. Uh, Star Blazers. Uh, yes. You were Susumu, the main character. Yes. And I'm curious because I know that you, in the Blu-rays from the extras, that you and the rest of the cast were like so hyped to do this. And, and I'm curious as to why, because for me, you know, I've been, you know, watching anime for a ton, but I never heard of this franchise at all. You know, it's weird, I'm sure, but like I never heard of it. And I'm I'm just as enthralled as you guys. So what what made this so special? Yeah, it's it, it, so it's a really big series in Japan and has been for a long, long time. I mean, going back to the 70s, the original um, Space Battleship Yamato is uh, you can still find it, you know, in some places on YouTube or, or elsewhere. They, they still have reruns of the old one. And it's literally from the 70s. I remember um, being, I'm, I'm sort of a zenial, so I'm like Gen X and millennial, like right in the middle. Um, and I remember being some sort of like an 80s and a 90s kid in a way. Um, but I remember coming home from school and uh, watching the original Voltron. And then there was this crazy show called Space Battleship Yamato. And I, you know, as a kid, I just sort of, these were just cartoons. Like, I didn't think of them as anything different from a regular cartoon, except the stakes of these cartoons were so much higher. Um, now, Voltron, they, they sort of neutered it. There was a big death in that show that they just they just managed to step around it through some clever editing. But Yamato, no, not so much. Uh, <laughs> Susumu Kodai's brother, you know, spoiler alert, 30-year-old spoiler alert, uh, his brother uh, perishes very early on, like first episode. Um, and so you're, you're presented with like, oh, these characters can actually die. What, what kind of cartoon is this? Like it sort of blew my mind in a way. Uh, I was just really drawn to it. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know why it was different. And then, you know, many years later, I think when I was in college um, and I was getting into Toonami and I was watching Cowboy Bebop uh, and I was really starting to enjoy anime. Uh, in a way that I hadn't before, Gundam Wing. Um, I, I rediscovered it, and I, I just realized, like, wow, this this is a huge deal in Japan. And uh, and so anyway, so fast forward, you know, many years later, and uh, and getting a chance to audition for for the part of Kodai was just such an amazing full circle kind of thing. Uh, it's a fantastic show. If you like space battles, um, if you like you know any anything that has to do with uh, animated space battles in space, you will love this show. It had a huge budget for it, and it shows. Um, it's got great animation, uh, pretty much start to finish, all the way through. They, they you know they never really had that lag that sometimes happens when you get to the end of a series. And they're like, well, we're clearly out of money here. <laughs> um, you know that just never happened because Yamato is a huge, huge franchise in Japan. Um, and I, I would love to see a, a larger audience come to this show. I'd love to see it on Toonami someday, uh, you know, for selfish reasons, because I love the show, but also because I do feel like there's a there's a magic to space travel. There's a magic to uh, we, we have a particularly uh, magical history with that in America, mm -hmm. um, yeah, being the first ones to the moon. And uh, I'd love to see that sort of anime capture the imagination of another audience of young Americans and get them excited about going to space again and, and interested in ideas like exploring and um, and yeah gosh it's it's such a cool show uh, if you haven't checked it out it is on uh, Funimation now you can you can see it on there if you've got a subscription 
And I mean, it was Toonami that coined the phrase "Space is the place" without Lost Star, right. Gundam Wing, Bebop. Like it would, it's a perfect fit. So yes, that I, is that is the official pitch to get Star Blazers on the block. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree, but I'm incredibly biased. But I agree. I, I would love to see it. I would love to see it on Toonami. That'd be that'd be so awesome. Absolutely, Chris. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk. Uh, I know like things are like kind of crazy with everything and stuff like that, especially scheduling wise. So we don't want to keep you too long after this. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug to tell fans to check out something new that you can talk about? Of course. Uh, well, you know, with, with life being what it is right now and, and live appearances sort of being shut down, um, we've turned to the web and, uh, to that end, I'm doing my, my first streaming convention appearance this Sunday um uh, the 24th and if anybody wants to find out about that just go to my twitter uh, at chris Waycamp, and i've got all the details there um for how you can join we're going to have free panels uh it's going to be um me and several other voice actors i'm trying to think of who else uh, i know um caitlin barr is going to be there um uh the rest of the crew escapes me but i know that there are several others that are joining us so um didn't mean to put you on the spot hanging out <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to put you on the spot or anything like that. No, no, that's okay. Um, yeah, we've got a. Uh, it's it's going to be the first of many. I mean, and that's just because who knows when these cons are coming back. I hope it's soon. We all hope it's going to be soon. But until then, we still want to hang out with fans, and so we're figuring out ways to do that. Um, and then, uh, hey, about two weeks ago, this is kind of weird. I I decided. Well, I have my buddy Kyle Phillips, who's. Uh, Voice actor, he's the he's the voice of Denki Kaminari, and uh, and then also he's a director up at Funimation. Um, it, he sort of reached out to me. He's like, "Hey man, have you are you on TikTok yet? Are you having any fun with this yet?" I'm like, "No." Um, and I started watching his uh, TikTok videos and some others. J. Michael Tatum got on there recently. His TikTok is amazing, and so I just decided to join. Uh, so come check it out. It's at Real Chris Waycamp, and I'm basically just riffing on uh eraserhead memes and and just in general having fun you know i probably this is one of those things that i never would have explored if i if i hadn't been quarantined to my home for the last 60 days but here we are we, yeah. we're just uh, trying new stuff out yeah well again uh we can't thank you enough for the time you've taken to talk with us as well as the time that you and your engineer friends have been able to produce anime at still an amazing pace all things considered so again thank you guys for everything and again we cannot thank you enough for taking the time to speak with us i hope it wasn't too bad or anything like that <laughs> not at all this was great we didn't have any technical glitches at all as far as i can tell so this was this was perfect that's the best part uh, in any case thank you guys for listening to the tsunami faithful podcast remember you can listen to all of our interviews up on any type of platform that podcasts are on go check it out and uh, hopefully we'll hear from everyone soon 